Idleman Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people The priests who sing your praise Hello, my name is Shane Idleman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Idleman Unplugged. I wanted to take some time and talk about the, I don't know if it's the introduction to Revelation, uh, but some thoughts on Revelation. Um, brought some loud colors uh, today because the book of Revelation is loud and challenging and intriguing. And what I wanted to do is share why that is, how do you interpret Revelation? And the primary reason, to be honest with you, is I didn't want to uh, go through, you know, 30 minutes of this on a Sunday morning. Uh, I want people to listen at their convenience and maybe go back to it later as well and have this kind of be our anchor of, of our filter of, of going through God's word as we go through the book of Revelation. So I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but I'll be starting the book of Revelation verse by verse. Um, here in April of 2023. And, uh, this is kind of the introduction to that. So let me, let me talk about a few things. Uh, I want to say up front, I'm going to give this revelation disclaimer quite often, even at church. And that is this. Uh, I don't have all the answers. Okay. I don't have all the answers. I'm not the final authority. Search the scriptures and let humility and truth guide you. And I believe that it is challenging uh, because there it was written to an audience 2,000 years ago, and there's a lot of applicable information for us today. And the imagery that John used while exiled on Patmos is, you know, what he saw. And when, and let's say the Lord gives you a vision and what you see, you write down in the, the vernacularity of what you would um, use in that day. Uh, like when the Bible talks about, you know, the, the swords will be turned into plow, plowshares. I don't know if you know what that is, but, uh, a little bit with my background in construction and, and farming is it would be, you know, you're going to use this tool to, to, to till the soil. And obviously that doesn't really apply to us today. Could it be more of a spiritual, um, you know, a kind of insight on what he saw? So that's the challenge with scripture is, Sometimes it's allegory. Sometimes they use similes, uh, metaphors. Uh, man, there's a couple different types of, of, you know, with a parable, uh, that, that are so relevant in storytelling that Jesus even used. You know, I'm the bread of life. Well, what does he mean by that? Again, using something, you know, rivers of living water. And the, you know, that's how the Bible expresses things. So we take the Bible literally. Uh, and with, without a shadow of a doubt, but sometimes truth, literal truth is conveyed in such a way to where, uh, linguistics, uh, language and, and, uh, simile, metaphor, analogies are used to help us better understand that truth. So I hope that makes sense. So as we go into Revelation, there's no book that even comes close to the, the typology, the symbolism, uh, the metaphor, similes, 
And again, it doesn't mean we don't take the Bible literally. We just use these items to help us understand the Bible even better. Obviously, this has happened in Ezekiel. Many of the prophets, you'll see the same thing. Uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, I mean, Daniel. And that's, God would show them things. And that's how they would, would translate it. How does that, what does that mean to us today? And a lot of times people don't know this, but, you know, coming on the clouds, like Jesus coming in the clouds, uh, clouds, if you just do a search, often represented darkness, doom, gloom, judgment. So it's not a physical, hey, look at that cloud up in the sky. Here, Jesus is actually riding on it like a horse. That That's the imagery they would use. And so you have to, to read Revelation and understand Revelation, which again, I've not mastered it. There are many people much smarter than me. I've read through New Testament probably 30 times, so Revelation through 30 times, memorized some portions of it. I know the flow of it from the churches to up in heaven uh, to the you know the beast and the woman and Revelation 20 on the millennial and the new heavens and new earth and the bull judgments, the seals are broken, the trumpets, you know, and, and so you see that, but it's, you know, people are divided on it. And so anytime great men of God are divided on it, um, I want to make sure I hold my opinion loosely, not the truth. We know the truth is God is coming back. Jesus is coming back. He's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to rule and reign. There'll be a final judgment. And are you ready? Now, how that all pans out, that's why sometimes I joke, you know, I'm a pan trip. I'm going to see how it all pans out in the end. Uh, anyway, also just released an interview you can watch with Sam Storms uh, on amillennialism. He really broke down what he believes and why he believes it, and then I'm I'm going to try to do videos, um, podcasts on, you know, premillennial dispensationalism, which you know that that means Christ will come before the millennial reign, uh, and then dispensationalism mainly the church in Israel are two separate uh, event, uh, two separate you know functions of God's economy there, and then you've got postmillennialism, uh, and that's a whole different ball game there, and so breaking all these things down in the future, looking forward to that. And um, I'll kind of in, in, um, uncover my view as I go through Revelation and teaching. And I'm still, you know, I'm open to these different things. Um, but I do have kind of a, 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 a thought process behind, you know, what I believe and why I believe it. But as we get into Revelation, here's here's what I want to cover uh, right now. There's something called the law of first mention in theology. And once you see how a word is used and even a concept is used, uh, in the Bible, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the, in the Torah. Once you see how that is used and what that word means, you kind of, you keep that, that, um, that definition consistent throughout scripture. So they call it the law of first mention. So when you study apologetics or what they call, you know, hermeneutics, the study of the Bible, you have to keep all that in, 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 in context. And, and, and you have to keep that in mind, uh, because if you just take a scripture and you can have it say whatever you want, we're seeing that uh, quite a great deal now in Hollywood. Uh, but then you also have to look at the, what I think many people miss is the historical background. And I've made this mistake before. Um, and you, you sometimes, you know, you read the Bible. It's like, okay, this is just for us today, which is true. You know, there's some truth to that, but we forget that it was also written to Christians 2000 years ago. And Christians 1500 years ago and Christians a thousand years ago and Christians 500 years ago during the Reformation. What Martin Luther and John Calvin thought of it and Jurg Zwingli and John Knox, 
you know, how they read scripture, how did it apply to them? Now, I think as we get through hi- human history, we'll have um, some better understanding of how these things are unfolding. But um, you have to look at the historical background. And what I mean by that is like, okay, what was what was the author intending to say? And sometimes we don't, you know, it's a little perplexing. I'm still waiting for, I think it's Isaiah 17, where it talks about Damascus will be just utterly destroyed. And Damascus is still the capital of Syria. It's, you know, that'd be above Israel, I guess. And um, I don't know how many miles, maybe on a map you're talking, I mean, don't quote me on it, two, 300 miles, I don't know. But, uh, you know, that, that still has to be fulfilled. Um, and then, you know, when, when the, the, the Bible talks about, you know, a child will no longer die young, they'll die at a hundred years. Um, is that, well, okay. So in the millennial reign of Christ, there's still going to be death and decay. Or is that just, you know, is he saying, Hey, you know, the death will cease. Uh, and so that's why historical background, understanding, what the authors were, what, how they were basically, how were they seeing things through their lens and when the, the, the linguistic uh, styles that God gave them at that time. So you look at law first mention, of course, you look at the historical background. And of course, you look at the context. What is the context of the verse? And I encourage people don't look at chapter and verse necessarily. I'm glad it's there so we can find things, but you look at the totality. Like try reading, for example, the book of Joel without chapter and verses and just let, let the letter, let that, let that, that prophetic book just read it and don't try to break it up in different time frames and different things. Or even Daniel read on the 70 weeks of Daniel and just Remove chapter and verses, just, just read the context. So that plays an important role as well. And then you have what is called usage, usage. And I'm going to let the apologetic index define this for us. Usage is, um, it, well, it says it defines it this way. It is important to not impose our modern usage. Yes. Into our interpretation. And I've heard some people say, you know, when they describe, um, swords or maybe these scorpions or these weird things in Revelation, he just, you know, he saw the, the Black Hawk helicopter and didn't know how to describe it. You know, maybe, maybe, but we just have to be careful not to impose our modern usage into our interpretation, even though I think God will give us additional insight, uh, not additional truth, but additional insight based on now what we know about the nation of Israel in 1948, what we know about uh, things that have happened in, 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 in time and, and where we see things going. And then it goes on to say, it is not worth much to interpret a great many phrases and histories if one's interpretations are shaded by preconceived notions and cultural biases. So it kind of goes what I was saying about the historical background. You know, usage is uh, don't impose our modern thoughts into what the Bible was saying and therefore change actually what the Bible was saying because we put our modern terms into it. And then uh, it also says definition is very important. Definition. What does it mean from the author's point of view? Not going to talk too much about that because I just did. And then they mentioned logic. Logic, this one is so important. Does the interpretation make sense? Does the interpretation make sense? So when we, def- when we interpret things such as, okay, the temple will be rebuilt. 
and sacrifices will be restored. Um, you know, Ezekiel, okay, does that make sense in light of Christ being the final sacrifice? Uh, Daniel, the 70 weeks. Um, why, you know, why are the weeks in a row and then now another week, 2000 years later? And again, these are just, these are questions, uh, that people have. Uh, and so does the interpretation make sense? Uh, the Bible was given to us in the form of human language and therefore, therefore appeals to human reason. It invites investigation. It is to be interpreted as we would ter- interpret any other volume of work, applying the laws of language and uh, grammar and analysis of, 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 of those things. So uh, it is, it's it, to be a student of the Bible. It takes, it takes some work and that's why not many are called to do it. That's why I feel, you know, you got to tread lightly, especially on these areas that, you know, a lot of people are divided on. Uh, and then they bring up this fact of unity, 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 unity. No single passage teaches it. Uh, no single passage teaches it, but it is consistent with the teaching of the whole of Scripture. For example, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are referred to individually as God, yet the Scriptures elsewhere teach there is only one God. So unity means you look at uh, consistency. You know, Revelation isn't going to say something that is going to disagree with other portions of scripture. You know, it's all going to flow nicely. Um, and so again, we interpret the Bible literally when the text supports it, meaning usage, subject, language, and we can interpretate some things, interpret, interpretate, uh, interpret some things figuratively when it's clear that other means are being used. For example, I've talked about this before. Is Satan going to be bound with a literal huge chain like you would see hanging from a a, a ship in the Navy uh, fleet? You know, those big, huge chains that are, you know, one link is the size of me. Uh, Probably not, but there's a binding that takes place. Uh, He's not a physical being, so he can't be held by that. So, you know, and then we saw these these incredible... uh, uh, things coming out of the depth of the bottomless pit that are hard to describe. You know, what, what type of figuratively language, language is being used figuratively speaking. And so sometimes we just don't know. And that's why we have to be careful. The Bible does though, it conveys literal truth to a literal audience in literal situations for literal outcomes. So I believe you can be literal and also embrace um, the, the, the fact that the Bible uses different ways to convey truth. One of those ways that is huge in Revelation is metaphor. A metaphor is an image which suggests that there are similarities between two different ideas without implying that they are identical. I mean, John 6 comes to mind on this one, John 6, 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Hmm. Okay. Well, there's, there's the the similarities there, but there, there's, it's a different, he's using, uh, the, the, the bread of life, the, the, the ultimate nourishment, the ultimate food for our soul. And that's what metaphors do. And so you can, you'll see these as we go throughout revelation. Um, and then hyperbole, 
I don't know if you've heard that word before, hyperbole, but I know you've used it many times because it's an exaggeration. It's an exaggeration to, to really, uh, you know, get a point across when Jesus said, um, I mean, you can think of a lot of different things, uh, throughout the Bible, but when he said, remove your eye if it's causing you to sin. Well, you can remove your eye and still sin. So it's the magnitude of what he's trying to convey. Get rid of sin. Deal with sin. Um, an exaggeration. You know, man, we were really, uh, this amillennial and this premillennial were really locking horns on this issue. Man. Okay. Were they locking horns? What, like, you know, locking horns on this issue? Or are they exaggerating? Or using imagery to really get a point across. Because you could just say, yeah, they disagreed on this, but you want to really get the point across. Oh, man, they were locking horns. And it really takes it to the next level. And then you're going to see a lot in Revelation uh, allegory. Allegory is using images um, to to really talk about a reality. Um, and you'll give, you know, as if, like the dragon or the whore of Babylon sitting on the beast and things like that. I don't, I don't know if she's actually be sitting on this beast versus, you know, the, the fellowship and the one world system and things like that. So you have to be, my thought is to be open, but cautious. And we don't want to use all these things to explain away truth, but we can use things to help us understand truth. So anyway, I hope that helps as I go through the book of Revelation. Uh, you'll understand, you know, how we come to some of these conclusions, how Bible teachers come to these conclusions. And you really just want to avoid, um, a lot of pride. There's so many, it's just so sad to watch people like brother shooting brother, uh, in this area of, of Bible interpretation. They call it eschatology, the end times study of mainly Daniel. Uh, Ezekiel, you've got Matthew 24 in the Gospels, different areas, and you've got, of course, the book of Revelation. How do they all tie in? You know, the bottom line is, guys, we don't exactly know how they all tie in. Um, all we have is scriptures in front of us, and some scriptures, I mean, like the rapture is clearly taught. There's a catching up, and there's a, there's a, there's a, I think it's harpasso, uh, and then they translate it rapturo or something like that. Don't, don't, you know, quote me on this. It's been years since I studied, but there's a rapture. There's a catching away that, that happens and we're caught up with Christ. And so that does happen. When, to what degree? Well, we're not, well, obviously it should happen here or maybe here. And, and we just want to be careful in this area. And, and how are we grafted in with Israel? But right now Israel is rejecting their Messiah, rejecting Christ. And so how, How's that all going to play out? How is, you know, is that a, a literal thousand year reign of Christ? You know, the other, I think there's eight times a thousand years is mentioned, seven or eight. And every time it's not a literal thousand years. Now, could it be in Revelation? Again, I believe it's chapter 20. Don't have these things in front of me where it talks about the millennial reign. I mean, it sounds like a thousand years he's going to rule and reign. Um, Satan is going to be, you know, kind of bound. And if you listen to my Sam Storm, my interview with Sam Storms, he talks about his thought on that is that Satan is actually not bound from causing havoc because he is, he's bound from deceiving the nations and then bringing in Armageddon. That could be the last battle, uh, that we will see. And our Christian's going to be here for that. And so an all millennial would believe that the, the millennial reign of Christ um, that millennium that they talk about 
is the period throughout church history. And if you read books on it where they come from all that, you know, it, it definitely, there's some good points there, but then there's also like, I don't know, it also sounds pretty literal here in Revelation 20, a thousand years, Satan is bound, you know, and then he's released, but you know, it, that's confusing because we think when Christ comes, he's ruling and reigning. He's putting an end to death. And Paul, actually, I don't have the passage in front of me in 1 Corinthians, I believe, where he talks about when Jesus returns, he's going to bring an end to death then and, 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 and initiate the kingdom of God. And so I, for me, that's what's hard about the thousand years is that's a long time. That's like a long time. And so my point was, and still is, that there's got to be some some unity on the essentials. And hey, we're all, we all agree he's coming back. We don't know exactly how that's going to unfold. Uh, if we're telling people, hey, don't worry, you'll be out of here, I would encourage you to just not really, really rethink that, because we don't know at what point will we be out of here. We might face some severe persecution, and we might see a one-world leader arise. We might see the cryptocurrency and the one-world system, and and we might, and then people are going to freak out. I thought we were out of here. Well. You know, there's, there's, the Bible is not, we know we, we know we are out of here at some point. And we also know that Christians go through tribulation, persecution. Um, now if God's pouring out his wrath and the bold judgments, and here comes the wrath of God. And, and then, yeah, God will either spare believers throughout that, like he did with the children of Israel in Genesis and in Egypt, or obviously he would take people out before his judgment comes. And then you've got, you know, one will be taken the field, one will be left. Well, some say they're taken to judgment. Others say they're taken to be with God. And so, <laughs> man, grace, 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 humility, and just stick with the absolutes that we know for certain. So I'm hoping that kind of introduction to Revelation and, and why we'll be using metaphor or allegory or hyperbole and uh, and explaining some of these things um, why we'll use that is to help us better understand what exactly this book means and realizing we don't have all the answers. Uh, we know to come out of her, my people, uh, unless you sit, share in her sins and receive of her plagues, you know, to come out from among them, to be separate, to live for Christ, to do not take the mark, whether it's a physical mark or just an allegiance to the world system and not God. I mean, there's, there's a lot of practical application as well. So in, anyway, excited to talk about and get into the Revelation series and just wanted to leave you this uh, introduction that I hope you find helpful. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Thank you for listening to us today, and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Eidelman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app.
El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.